Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. So we make it a special Sunday. Um, we, we go back to Joshua 4 year after year. We have the chili cook-off. Uh, it's a significant Sunday for us because it was five years ago uh, this Sunday that uh, the Brock family uh, celebrated Thanksgiving and a chili cook-off at a church in Atlanta and promptly got in our van and drove to Virginia Beach. Uh, so five years ago today, we arrived in Virginia Beach. That was actually on a Monday. But uh, we arrived in Virginia Beach, but four years ago uh, was the first service of what would become Resurrection Community Church, uh, what we called a preview Thanksgiving service. We had it over at New Realm Brewing Company, um, and we had a service of Thanksgiving in the, the party room there at New Realm. And that was the first of what would become monthly uh, preview services until we launched regular Sunday worship in uh, September of 2019. So this is a significant Sunday in the life of our church. It is a day to celebrate. It is a day to give thanks. And Joshua chapter 4 is an appropriate uh, passage of scripture for this day because Joshua chapter 4 is about remembering. It's about God commanding Joshua and commanding the Israelites to take up stones out of the Jordan River and build them up as a memorial to what God has done. So in the setting here, the, the story that has happened is the people of Israel, God had rescued them from Egypt. Significantly, he rescued them from Egypt by bringing them through the Red Sea, parting the waters of the Red Sea. The generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt actually rebelled against God and refused to go into the land that he had promised. And so they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And then their children prepared to go into the land that God had promised to their father Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. So this was something that for years and years in the history of their people they had this promise while they were slaves in Egypt, while they were wandering in the desert, there is a land that we are going to. And in Joshua, under the leadership of Joshua, who followed Moses as their leader, Joshua is going to lead them into the land. And so all of this, in the book of Joshua, it's about coming into the new land that God has promised, taking it over, and being careful to obey and do what God, do it in the right way, the way that God has commanded them. So what this passage tells for us as we go into a week of thanksgiving in our culture is it shows us the right way to give thanks and the one to whom we give thanks and how we keep our eyes on him. So I'm going to read now from Joshua chapter 4 and then we'll reflect on it together. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, 
according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel. As Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle on, to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant came up from the midst of the Jordan, the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave this word uh, to be written down, that you did this for your people, and that you gave this word to be written down and preserved for us. We pray now that as we reflect on it together, you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Today and in days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd have a question for you, and you can actually you can talk back to this, especially if you're under the age of 18, though over the age of 18 you're welcome to talk back too. Uh, this week is, is Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving, and lots of other people love Thanksgiving. In fact, it is generally considered the most popular holiday in the United States. So my question for you is, why do you love Thanksgiving? Call it out for me. What do you love about Thanksgiving? I hear food. What else do we love about Thanksgiving? Family. Football. Getting off of work. No school. Rest. Relaxation. What about traditions? Do you like traditions? The things are the same every year? I'll tell you one of the things I like. What was that? Was that pie, Maverick? Let me tell you something. I love pie. I haven't brought a pie plate for you to see. Now, we could, we could probably go a long time on favorite kinds of pie. So we got pumpkin pie, we got apple pie, we got coconut cream pie, we got blueberry pie, we got pecan pie, we got all kinds of pie. But one of the things I love about pie at Thanksgiving, of course I love the taste of pie. Everybody, maybe not everybody, but most people love the taste of pie. But I also love the tradition of pie. I love that in our family, pie is a tradition. 
Pies were the significant, uh, a significant part of Thanksgiving at my grandmother's house, where there would sometimes be a pie per person, depending on how many people were there for Thanksgiving. And we would show up at her house, and, and the pies were all made and stored on her dryer out in the garage, because that was the best place to keep them. And now we still make pie. In fact, my cousins and I will share, we don't usually do much on Facebook, but we will share pictures of our pies, because it's a, it's a tradition. It's the way we connect to our past. Uh, this Tuesday in the Brock house, we will bake a lot of pie. Each Brock child will bake his own pie. Um, and I'll bake some more so we can take them with us to our Thanksgiving feast. And these traditions, these celebrations, these are good and godly and biblical things. But one of the things that's interesting about all that we do to give thanks is that sometimes our thank, even our thanksgivings, even our gratefulness can get skewed. And we can lose sight of who it is that we are supposed to be giving thanks to. We get focused on the gifts rather than the giver, or we can even get focused on ourselves. I can start talking about pies so much that really I'm trying to brag about how many pies that we make, and I'm trying to brag about how good we are at making pies instead of giving thanks to the God who gives us the means to make pies, who gave us a house and a kitchen to make pies. In fact, we see an example of this later on in the Bible, in the New Testament, in a story that Jesus told. He told a story in Luke chapter 18. Uh, he told a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he says these two men went up to the temple to pray. The, one a Pharisee, the other tax collector. Just listen to this. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you. Thanksgiving, right? It's good. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Some Thanksgiving, isn't it? But even we can do that. We can give thanks in such a way that really makes it all about how good we are. We even have a name for it. We call it, we call it a humble brag, right? When we're saying things that sound humble, but we're actually trying to brag a little bit. And what Joshua chapter 4 reminds us, especially as we enter the week of Thanksgiving, is that we are always in danger of giving thanks and turning things focused upon ourselves and losing sight of God and the giver. So what Joshua is telling us is that our God, he emphasized that, it says the Lord your God, our God is a mighty God. That's what it says in verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. See, the emphasis all throughout this is on God, that you may remember what God has done, what God has done, what God has done. Not just that you would enjoy being in this new land that he's given you, but that you would remember who it was that brought you here, what God has done. And so we, our God is a mighty God, so what do we do? We remember his work and his way. We remember his work in his way, the way that he commands us to remember it. Because the other thing that's interesting here in Joshua chapter 4 is Joshua and the Israelites didn't just decide on their own, like, hey, let's put some stones here to remember where we crossed. They did it because God commanded them to do it. It was God's memorial, the way that he intended so as we rightly give thanks, as we rightly celebrate and enjoy the gifts that God gives us, we have to remember his work. He's the one who did it in his way, the way that he commands us to remember. And now if you're waiting for my, my three points, that's it. There's just two. His work, 
His way. So there's no, no three points to listen for. But first, his work. What is the work of God that is being remembered here in Joshua chapter 4? Four steps to it. First, he rescued them from evil. That's when he brought them through the Red Sea out of Egypt. He rescued them from the evil of the Egyptians who had kept them as slaves and oppressed them for 400 years. Second, he blessed them with a new land. That's where they were going. They were going into the new land of Canaan that he promised them. Third, he formed them into a community. It's interesting here that he emphasizes that there are to be 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. That it is not just an individual thing, it is the whole community of God's people. And there's this bit uh, in verse 12 about the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people. These were tribes that had received their inherited land on the east side of the Jordan. They already had their place where they were going to live, but God had told them, hey, you got to go conquer the west side too because you're all one people. And it's a great emphasis throughout the book of Joshua that Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh came and did the conquest with the rest of the tribes. And they were going to fight, and they were going to be one people forever, even though they were on two opposite sides of the river. So he formed them into a community with a mission for the world. Did you catch that in verse 24? Not just that they would know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, but so that all the peoples of the earth would know that the Lord is mighty. Because their mission, the reason God gave them this land of Canaan, was not just for their own benefit. It was so that they would be a blessing for the world. That this land of Canaan would be God's kingdom on earth, where all the nations could come and see what it looks, to, what it looks like to live in God's place, with His blessing, among His people, in a beautiful and holy community. That was the mission of God's people. That was the mission of the people of Israel. Now, if you know the rest of your Bible history, uh, they, didn't, they really didn't do a great job with it. But, but that was the mission, right? That's what God's work was, was to put them in a land as a blessing for the whole world. So that was his work. That's what he had done for them. But there's something else fascinating here. The emphasis of these stones, as they, as they are to memorialize his work, is when are these stones going to matter? Did you catch what he said? He said it first in verse 6, when your children ask in times to come, what do these stones mean to you? And then he said it again in verse 21, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? The stones are there to pass on the story of God's faithfulness to generation after generation. And Joshua emphasizes it again in verse 23. There's interesting, there's pronouns here. The Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan for you until you passed over. This is Joshua speaking. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us as we passed over. Joshua speaks as one of the only two representatives that, of, of the nation that were still that had been in Egypt, that had seen the Red Sea opened up. He's saying, I saw the Red Sea opened up, and now you've seen the Jordan opened up. And these stones are here so that you can pass down to every generation the faithfulness of God. That we pass things down to our children. So, what, what is God's faithfulness that He has done for us then? If He dried up the Red Sea to bring the people out of Egypt, if He dried up the Jordan for them to cross over into the new land, what has been passed down to us 
of God's faithfulness for us. What we see as we continue throughout the story of the Bible that, that Israel did not carry out the mission that God had for them. They did not continue to live in the land under God's blessing with the mission for the world. They disobeyed God. They forgot God. They went their own way. And ultimately, they were exiled and punished for that. But God, who is merci merc merciful and gracious and never gives up on His promises, did not forget them. And so then our story is that when Jesus came, Jesus rescued us from evil. We may not have experienced life under oppression, though some people in the world still experience that, but Jesus has rescued us all from the life of sin, the, the sin that oppresses us, that keeps us tied down. He rescues us from that evil. He's blessed us with a new land. He gives us a taste in this, land, in this life, but he has blessed us with eternal life forever with him. The Bible connects that eternal life to the promised land, the people of Israel. It says our promised land is eternal life with Jesus in a new heavens and new earth. He forms us into a community. Look around. This is the community that God has formed us into. His people, the church, that he has made to be his body, to live together and serve together and work together. And he's still given us a mission for the world to share that blessing with everybody we meet, no longer confined to a particular land, but now going out throughout the world to tell of his blessing. But it's the same mission that was given to these people as the people of Israel wanted everybody to come and see their land and how good God had been to them. We, the people of Jesus, the new community, go out and tell everybody, everybody throughout the world, come and see what God has done for you. Experience the rescue from sin that you do not have to live in your guilt, in your shame, in your bondage to sin, but you can be forgiven and freed from that. You can have eternal life with Him. You can have a new community and you can join us in this mission to bless the world. That is God's work that we celebrate. But if that's the work that we celebrate, how can we keep our focus on Him and not turn it to ourselves? Because even in the reality of Jesus, it would be easy to turn this to ourselves, to talk just about, oh, I like my friends. I like the things we do. I like the songs. I like that. No, we keep the focus on His work by doing it his way, the means that God has given us. And God has showed us how we remember him. In front of us, we have the table, the table of the Lord's Supper. This is a means, this is the means that God has given us to remember him. This is our stones to remember every Sunday to keep the focus on Jesus and his sacrifice. He's given us baptism to bring us through the waters of Jordan, cleansing us from our sin, bringing us into new life. He gives us the service of worship that every week we gather together to put our focus on him, to confess our sins, to tell the story again. He gives us the word that we soak ourselves in his word, to read it for ourselves, to read it together. He gives us prayer to keep our eyes focused on him. So as we keep ourselves focused on his work and his way, we rightly give thanks to the giver of all things. I have one more thing in my bag to remind us about the value of the giver. And this is a stuffed animal. And see this stuffed animal, if you were to name this stuffed animal, what would you name it? You might name it Wolfie. Or maybe Doggy. I don't know what it is. I think it's a wolf. But do you know what stuffed animal this is? This is Asher's. 
Asher sleeps with us every night. Sorry, Asher, not to call you out that, but I don't think he minds. This stuffed animal is named Logan. And you might say, what does Logan have to do with a wolf? But this stuffed animal is named Logan because Logan is the one who gave it to Asher. And so it carries the name of the giver. Because what makes gifts significant? It's usually not the gift itself. Sometimes the gift is nice, but what's more significant is the giver of the gifts. So as you go into Thanksgiving this week, this week, celebrate, give thanks, feast, enjoy what God has done. But keep your focus on God, the giver of all things. And then as you continue after Thanksgiving, don't lose that. But take advantage of the ways that God has given us, of remembering baptism, the Lord's Supper, worship, the word and prayer, that we may keep our eyes on God, the giver of all things, our mighty God, who has saved us and brought us into new life with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you that you give us the means to remember you, to keep our eyes focused on you. And we pray that we would always do so. And then as we do so, you would lead us out to be a blessing to the world. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.